there's a promise here. You plant yourself in the Word of God. You will have why? Why are you going to have life? Because it's God. When you have the Word, you have God. When you have God, you have His Word in this life. That's how it works. You want to have life, then you need the Word. Then, and you have life, and you get more life through the Word. You have the Word, you have God. When you have God, you have His Word. That's how it works. You want to be a tree that doesn't drop its leaves? You want to be a tree that's like endless summer in Florida? I'm not, but, and by the way, private meditation, I'm all about that. Do it. Open your Bible. I'm not talking about that today, though. This psalm emphasizes the assembly of the righteous. When you come together as a church, stuff happens. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. We're going to go to uh, a psalm that is a big deal. It's a very big deal because it's Psalm 1, and I'm going to read it to you. Again, we're reflecting here on what it means to have a blessed life. This is what the poet writes. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is God's word. Life is a journey. Life is a journey. You have to know how to take it rightly. I think we all know that. It all resonates with us. You can think of some proofs for that. There was a poet by the name of Robert Frost. He wrote a poem called The Road Less Traveled. It's a poem that's about taking the right way in life. And at the end of the poem, he suggests, it seems, that you should take the road less traveled. But did you know this? Frost wrote the poem as a joke. <laughs> it's just that when he wrote it, everybody took it seriously. <laughs> he thought they really meant it, that you really should take the road less traveled. That's what turns out the poem was for him, just... A joke. But see, it's not a joke to us. Life is a journey. We know we have to take it rightly. That's why Thomas Cochran wrote a different poem. 
actually went to East Africa with his family in his life. He wanted to help the impoverished people in Eastern Africa, and he went there, and it was such a devastating experience to him that he was having trouble keeping on going, helping the people there, and so he wrote a poem. You probably know it. It was a poem that was meant to encourage himself on life's way. You know what? Life is a highway. You got to ride it all night long. That's Thomas Cochran. Of course, for me, the greatest art that makes me, this poem makes me think about is The Mandalorian. (laughs) Nobody else watches except me and my family, I take it. (laughs) I started watching it, my daughter starts watching it, then my wife starts watching it too, and For me, it's not Baby Yoda, although he's very cute, and I like Star Wars. It was not quite that. I just like Mando. In fact, I started saying it around the house. Never takes off his helmet. Why? This is the way. This is the way. So here we have someone. People who have heard me teach on Psalm 1 know what I always say, that it's Psalm 1 for a reason. Because it's that important. It's like the first commandment in that way. It's the first one, it's the first one for a reason. And so here we have Psalm 1. It sets the course for the entire book of Psalms, one of the most important books of the Bible, as we've already talked about in this series. And what's it about? Life is a journey. You have to take the right way. I mean, you look at the poem. What's the poem? You, there's, there's ways and there's highways and there's traveling companions and you even have destinations. Life is a journey. You have to take the right way. And what the poet does, what the poet does is he comes to you and he says, this is the way. This is the way. There is no other way. This is the way. And he makes it simple and he makes it clear and he takes away all the gray, all the gray in life and he says it's black and white, it's a binary. This is the way. He comes to the end of the poem, he says this, he says there's two kinds of travelers on the way. You can be one of two people, that's it. It's really refreshing if you think about it. There's so much complexities in life, so many different kinds of people in life. The poet, with one sweep of his tongue, sweeps it all, one sweep of his pen, he just sweeps it all away. He says, it's not, it's not, if, it's not if you're a man or if you're a woman and if you're young or if you're old, if you have this nationality or that nationality or, or this ethnicity or that ethnicity. It's none of that. He says, here's the only thing that matters. There's two kinds of people in life. It's a binary. You're either blessed or you're not blessed. That's it. Nothing else matters. Your gender doesn't matter, your ethnicity doesn't matter, your nationality doesn't matter, none of it matters. This is, what's, this is what matters. You're blessed or you're not blessed. And how do you know which one you are? You're blessed if you're righteous. You're not blessed if you're wicked. You're blessed if you're a saint. You're not blessed if you're a sinner. It makes it simple. 
Really some two kinds of people in the world, binary, blessed, not blessed, righteous, wicked, sinner, saint. Simple. Two kinds of people. Two, two kinds of traveling companions, too. Simple, clear, two kinds of traveling companions, two kinds of counsels you can get along the way. You can either, you can either be a person who is, who is counseled by people, or you can be a person who's counseled by the Lord. Two kinds of traveling companions, two kinds of counsels. The poem says that you're a wicked person. If you're a, wic- you're a wicked person, that's where you're getting counsels from people. Just from people. That's what makes you wicked. That's interesting. Things sometimes like, oh, I'm not one of the wicked people because I didn't take a knife and stab it in somebody's back. Fair enough. You haven't stabbed anybody. That's not what the poem's talking about. Wicked people often, they don't look wicked at all. You may not even know yourself that you're a wicked person. If you think about Satan, Satan is a prime example of this. He doesn't look wicked. People think he looks wicked. He doesn't look wicked. That's why he's such a good tempter. He doesn't look wicked. Right? He's got the, he's got, but he's got the pitchfork, Pastor, and he looks red. You can spot him right away. That's not what the Bible says. He masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't look wicked. Wickedness doesn't often look wicked. How do you you know you're wicked? Because of who you're listening to in life. Where are you taking your counsel? That's how you can tell. Because that's how you know where your trust is. If you're trusting the Lord, you're going to be listening to the Lord. You're going to be taking counsel from him and his word. It's trust, but it's wickedness by definition to only listen to people. So it's simple, right? Simple, clear. We got two kinds of people. There's wicked people and there's righteous people and there's two kinds of counselors in life, two kinds of traveling companions. You can have the Lord and his word or you can have a whole bunch of people. And then finally, there's two destinations. Just two. Just two. The poet, he, he gets out this image. He says, somebody who listens to God is like this tree. This is a beautiful image. It's planted by streams of water. Did I say streams? <laughs> Multiple water sources. It yields its fruit in season. You know those license plates in Florida, the ones I love, they say, endless summer. (laughs) Love that. Always summer, the poet says. The leaves never drop. They never, this is an evergreen. It's an evergreen tree, which by the way, is a symbol of eternal life. Person's never going to die. It's one destination, eternal life. Of course, then there's the other one. You can be chaff that needs to be thrown away. 
less than useless. When I was a little boy, I, um, I used to go to my maternal grandparents in the summer, upstate New York. They were farmers. We'd go there, and it'd be hot as the dickens. <laughs> and my grandpa would take me out in the field, and he'd be baling hay. And, and back then, I don't know, the hay balers weren't perfect, so sometimes the hay would come out the back of the thing, shoot out, and then it would miss the wagon. And so my grandpa would have us come behind the wagon, and we'd pick up those bales of hay, and I'm telling you, that chaff was the itchiest, most awful thing. I'd come in from the field, there'd be welts and hives on my body just from that chaff. Chaff is, is less than nothing. You, I mean, when the poet says you want it blown away, I'm telling you, you want it blown away. Two destinations. Eternal destinations. See, that's someone. That's someone. That's it. I just I did the whole thing for you just now. That's someone. Two kinds of people, two kinds of traveling companions, two kinds of councils, two kinds of destinations. That's it. Someone. Simple, clear. The poet comes to you and he says, This is the way. This is it. Amen. Just kidding. I got three applications for you. I want to push this in your life. Here's the first one. Don't lose the way. Do not lose the way. See, the poet starts out, he gives you a warning, don't lose the way. Don't lose it. Don't lose the way. It's easy to lose the way, he says. It happens by degrees. You don't even realize it's happening. It happens by degrees. You're like a frog that's getting boiled in water. That's how it works. All of a sudden, you're walking along the way with sinners, and that's all you got to do. You just got to walk. You don't have to agree with them yet. You don't have to think they're right. You just walk with them a little bit. You just, that's what you do in life. You walk with them a little bit. You just, all, all you got to do is tolerate it a little bit. And then you get to step two. All of a sudden, you stop walking with them. All of a sudden, you're standing with them. See, there's body postures here, right? You're sinking into it. You don't even realize you're standing with You're chatting with them. You're getting a little bit more comfortable with it. This is the way that life works. I'm okay with it. You just, you're just, you're, you're enjoying it maybe a little bit. That's step two, and then there's step three. Then you sit down. You sit down. You're, you're into it. This is your group. These are your people. You're used to it. You just mock at everything else. You've been a frog that's been boiled in water. Don't lose away. Do not lose away. There's a couple different issues here. We have to talk about it. Do you know what we call this? There's a term for this. This is called desensitization. That's what it's called. I hear people talk about this. How, how, could, this, how could this happen in World War II? How could this happen in Germany with Hitler? How could this happen? I'll tell you. Desensitization. You get used to wickedness. It's normalized to you. You read the Old Testament. Sometimes people read Genesis. They go, Pastor, I, could, I can't believe it. I can't believe those people did that. 
There's that guy, and he prostituted his, out, his own daughters out. How could they do that? I don't understand. I'll tell you how. Desensitization. Evil gets normalized. You think it's not happening today? Think about language. I'll give you a hundred examples. Think about language. Desensitization. You just get used to it. I'll give you another example. I was thinking about this a couple years ago. I might get myself in trouble about this because I've never watched the show, but people tell me that Game of Thrones has softcore porn in it. And in a couple years ago, I heard lots and lots of Christians saying I was watching it. And I thought to myself, well, how, if that's true, if there's softcore porn in, in Game of Thrones, why are Christians watching this? Why are, I'm thinking about this, struggling with it. How? how? Desensitization. You know what the story is? I was thinking about this because it was, was, it was bugging me. How are Christians watching Game of Thrones? Is that true? I, I, I've never watched it. I don't know. But people tell me it's softcore porn. How are they watching it? Why are they okay with it? You know what the historians say? It started happening back in the 1940s and 1950s. They tracked this. There's an art movement called the Surrealist Art Movement. Artists like Dolly and stuff like that. They had a specific agenda in American culture to desensitize people to sexual evil. And so what they did is they painted pornography. They painted pornography, and then they took painters like Dolly, and they put the, the paintings in people's living rooms. And so now all of a sudden, Americans, middle-class Americans, have porn in their living rooms. And they got used to it. It worked. So now in 2020, we got, we got Christians who are just so used to pornography, they don't even realize it's really pornography. So then now you have TV producers saying, we're going we're to bring more, uh, what used to be unmentionable sex acts, to national TV in five years. It's desensitization. Here's my question. Will you walk with it? Will you stand with it? Will you sit with it? Or will you run? Desensitization is one thing. Social, socialization is another. That's the other piece here. You're hanging out with these people. They're going to influence you. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, bad company corrupts Good character, who you hang out with, who you listen to on the media, it shapes you. It changes you. Could you turn into a mocker? I'm concerned about it. There's so much mocking going on in our culture that I think we've gotten desensitized to it, actually. There was a, there was a Christian comedian just died recently, a guy by the name of Norm McDonald. Some of you know who he is. And somebody shared his obituary with me, and one of the things that Norm McDonald said is that comedians, what comedians are supposed to do is they're supposed to use their gift to help people laugh. That's what comedy is. But comedy, he said, has changed into pure mockery. 
It's not just comedy. It's almost all of our rhetoric these days. People are so self-righteous, so prideful, so willing to look at somebody else and say, they are so dumb. How can they think that way? It's mockery. What are you listening to? If they are, if they are doing anything but helping you love your neighbor as yourself, it's changing you for the worse. Don't lose the way. Don't lose the way. Okay, that's my first application. That was heavy. Here's the second one. Light your way. So the poet moves on, and what the poet does is he gives you this image of this person who's growling. That's what it says in the Hebrew. They're growling over the word of God. They're meditating on it. Did you know this? This is a fun little fact that'll help you understand this. Did you know that nobody read silently hundreds of years ago? That wasn't a thing. Nobody did. They always read out loud. So to read the Bible is to growl over it. <laughs> you literally were speaking God's word to yourself out loud. It's meditating. You're thinking about it. You're growling over the word of the Bible. When you do that, when you do that, you're like this tree. And you're like this tree that's planted by water. Not just water, waters. Not just stream, streams. You got multiple water sources. Not just a tree that's planted by streams of water, but, but, but a tree that's always giving fruit. A tree that has eternal life. A tree that never drops its leaves. You're that kind of tree. You, when you growl, when you meditate, when you spend time with the word of God. Let it light your way. See, let it light your way. You know I'm going to talk about that for a little while, right? I have to. Why does that work? Why, does it, why do you become this person who never drops their leaves in life? You're always okay when you're close to the word of God. Why? I'll tell you. Because that's God's voice. That's why. Don't you want that? There, I know that there's anxious people in here. I know that there's sin-sick people in here. I know that there's messed up people in here. Do you want to get better? You know, you know what I wish I could say? I'm going to say it. What if, what would happen if you took this word of God seriously, what if you said to yourself, you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to come to church, I'm not going to miss for three months straight. You will change. You're going to change. Do you think, you think it's going to help? You come one time, you've got to plant yourself in it. You're going to change. You can't help but change. It's God's voice in your life. Man, I could... I could I could give you the sociological studies on this. People who come to church, they experience more peace, less anxiety, better relationships, better marriages, longer lives. I could, I could give you my pastoral experience. 
You know what my pastoral experience? I'll tell you my pastoral experience. People who stay away from church, they're the ones who are struggling in their marriages. They're the ones who give me the phone calls. They're the ones who are texting me very anxiously. By the way, I love that. Keep doing that. I'm not telling you not to. That's great. I'm just telling you. I could tell you all that, but, but dig into this. There's a promise here. You plant yourself in the word of God. You will have life. Why? Why are you going to have life? Because it's God. When you have the word, you have God. When you have God, you have his word in this life. That's how it works. You want to have life, then you need the word. Then, and you have life, and you get more life through the word. You have the word, you have God. When you have God, you have his word. That's how it works. You want to be a tree that doesn't drop its leaves? You want to be a tree that's like endless summer in Florida? You got to have the word. I'm not, but I'm, by the way, private meditation, I'm all about that. Do it. Open your Bible. I'm not talking about that today, though. This psalm emphasizes the assembly of the righteous. When you come together as a church, stuff happens. What did Jesus say? He said, where two or three come together in my name, that's where I am. Oh, yes, he's everywhere. Yes, nobody's denying that. But where has Jesus promised his special saving presence? That's where. What did he say? Jesus said, this is my body. He said, this is my blood. That's what he said. Where do you get that? You don't get that at home unless I come to visit you. Why am I emphasizing this? There was a study that was done. Actually, this is pre-pandemic. Lutheran Church. Lutherans should get this better than anybody. Lutheran Church, they were asked, how necessary is it to come to church? You know what the answer was? Only 50% of them thought it was necessary. That's it. Pre-pandemic. Light your way. Light your way, the poet says. Come close to the word of God because that's where God is. He meets you in his word. Light your way. I got one last one. I said, don't lose your way. Light your way. Here's the last one. Ready? Trust. This is the way. This is the way. I'm going to get there. Track with me. I just got done telling you that God, the Lord, mediates himself to you through the word. That's what I told you. That can be frustrating to us and a little bit problematic. Because what happens when you come to church? Think about it. What happens? You, you see a whole bunch of normal-looking people. That's what you see, first of all. And then, no, no offense, a bunch of normal people. <laughs> Maybe you are offended, a bunch of normal people. You know what? You come to church, you see a poor pastor. That's what you see. What do I have? Think about it. What do I have? I have water and a word. That's it. 
I have bread, I have wine, and I have a word. That's it. I got a mouth, and I have words. That's it. It's a problem for us. It's a problem. I'll, I'll prove it to you. This is why churches today will often commodify <laughs> and specialize and make it some kind of dog and pony show. Because at the end of the day, they don't, want you, they, want, they don't want to let you know the truth. You know what they have? They have water, and they have a word. They have bread and wine, and they have a word. And they've got a pastor with words. That's all we got. But you know why it is? Have you ever thought about it? Because what if God, in all of his glory and all of his majesty, actually showed up? We'd be done, y'all. We'd be zapped. So God comes to us through the word. What I'm saying is, God finds a way. Because he loves us that much. He always finds a way. No matter how desensitized we've become, no matter how wrongly socialized we've been, no matter how little time we've spent with the assembly of the righteous or with the word of God, he makes a way. That's what Jesus taught us. In one of the more moving passages of the Bible, he revealed to, himself, to us by his titles who he is. Do you know what he said? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I always feel a little bit bad for that first title, don't you? You come to Christian churches, you talk with Christian friends, Jesus is the truth. He's the truth that sets us free. We love that. He's the truth. We say he's the life, and he is. He's the life. He's the life that gives us life now as he comforts us and eternal life. He's the life. He's the truth, and he's the life, and we emphasize that in the Christian church. But I always feel a little bit bad for that first title that he gives himself. And it's first, I might say, for reason. I am the way. Do you know how Christians first called themselves? We weren't originally called Christians. In fact, we, we began to be called Christians in Antioch. It was actually a way to make fun of us. We just owned it. That's what people get made fun of do sometimes. You just own the name. Okay, you want to call us Christians? Fine. We're Christians. We're, we're the people who bear Christ in the world. We, he's inside of us. He, he loves us. We base our faith on him. We are Christ's body in the world. You want to call us Christians? Fine. We'll be Christians then. But do you know what we called ourselves? We were first called the way. I am the way. We are the way. Because Jesus is the way back 
to God. You think about it, what happened? We got a bad counselor, a snake. He led us to take fruit from the wrong tree, sent us toward a bad destination, the wrong one, making us dead wood, chaff. God enters human history in Christ to make a way. The only blessed man to ever live, the only blessed man, the man who was never wrongly socialized, the man who was never desensitized, the man who loved God's word, he would growl over it, he would meditate on it day and night. We know that from the scriptures. The only blessed man. How did he end up? Cursed. He ends up cursed on the dead wood of the cross. Why? To take our curse. To be the chaff that we should have been. To be rejected. To take the judgment, the fire of the judgment in our place. Why did he do it? He was nailed to the dead dead wood of the cross. Why? To make us blessed. We are the righteous now in his blood. We are the righteous now by faith in him. We have the right traveling companions in life. We have Jesus Christ as our brother. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We know his word. We have everything. And that means we are headed for the right destination. Don't you see it? Take your roots and sink them down into that word from God. It is not just a stream of water. It is like Jesus said, it is streams of water welling up within you to eternal life. See what I'm saying? This is the way. Don't lose it. Don't lose it through desensitization and wrong socialization. Don't lose it. Stay close to that message in his word. Let it give you life every day of your life, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. This is the way. Life is a journey. You got to know how to take it rightly. And what do we say at peace? How do we go? Christ? Where are we going? Christ. This is the way. Will you pray with me? Christ, be my leader by night as by day, safe through the darkness, for he is the way. Gladly I follow my future his care. Darkness is daylight when Jesus is there.